0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Janine Between the Lines Literature and Lifestyle for Leisure. Today's episode is going to be, I don't want to call them book related episodes anymore. And because this one is going to be a progressive one, I did an episode similar to this um, when I was reviewing We the Animals, but I think I'm going to call it a book study because this is a chunky book and it might take me the whole month of May to fully read and digest. So if in any event you wanted to read along, the book that I'll be talking about is A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. I hope I pronounced that right. Not only is this going to be a semi-book study, but I do have a very special guest of mine who will be joining me. You'll get to meet him very soon, Um, I wanted to incorporate the faux OTT unpopular opinions poll that I ran on Instagram and kind of incorporate that into this episode. I think it'll be really juicy to hear what my guest has to say about those unpopular opinions as well. So if you like this podcast, if you're excited to listen, uh, do please go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter and or Instagram. My Twitter is at JanineBTL. Instagram is Janine Between the Lines. No spaces or caps or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I'm so excited for you to listen and stay tuned for a little book OTT combination. Do you mind? Um, can I tell you also, you, yeah. out of any guest that I've had, <laughs> no one has prepared the way that you have prepared. Oh, I don't want to embarrass
1: you, dude. This is like your thing.
0: <laughs> not even myself.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no,
0: my phone. No,
1: seriously. Now I feel bad.
0: Don't feel bad? That makes it so much better. And the only reason why I say that is because... Even though I just gave you that whole spiel about wanting to have someone like smarter than me, like I'm obviously doing that right now because you've shown and we're here and we're doing it. And, you know, we're <laughs> live, I'm you not, know?
1: I'm not, sure, I'm not sure it's an intelligence thing. It's more so like a, if I embarrassed you thing anything, I she's never going to talk to me ever again. Are I'm
0: you kidding, kidding. me? Franklin,
1: yeah, like, it's, like, it's, it's, it's your thing, man. Like you have five stars on Apple Podcasts.
0: Oh, buddy! How long have we known each other? Count the years. How long? Okay,
1: two, two in middle school. Four years of high school is six, and then we graduated in twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. So subtract two years because it'll be a decade. <laughs> so um, fourteen years.
0: Fourteen years. Yeah. Oh my God! Before. So I do this with everybody, and I know it's kind of embarrassing, but you have to tell me if you remember how we met. How we met. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I, I do. I don't. This, tell this me now. This
1: is the sad part. This is the sad part. Am I being recorded? Maybe. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't even know. See, so here's the thing. I can't even, I feel like I'm like in, a what's that Christopher Nolan movie? I think it's Inception oh, yeah. Like, you can't tell if he's in the dream. <laughs>
2: oh, you're like, in it.
1: But look, like, um, okay, so we met in this Davies class in seventh grade. Okay. I swear to God, like that's where we first met.
0: <laughs> what did you say to me?
1: I, I don't know. I can I can like recall like it, like okay so like don't judge me but I just I like know like I have like a really good memory for dumb details so like mm-hmm. um it was you me and this girl Monique Sarah that we would like hang out and we'd talk okay shout out to Monique I love Monique I hope she's listening to this I'm
0: glad you're comfortable with saying names because I don't give two cares I okay, want sorry, people
1: Monique to... I'm sorry
0: <laughs> no I, I want people I want people to know that like we're talking about them is that weird a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep care, going, keep but going. But if you don't care.
1: And then, like, I used to wear, like, this, like, again, it was, it was like, that time period in, like, the mid to late, like, 2000s. Like, Carlos still makes fun of me because he says he only remembers three things about middle school, <laughs> which is the basketball team and the fact that, in his memory, I only wore a every single day to school, which I don't buy.
0: No, didn't, you didn't. The, tr-
1: the truth is... I wore American Eagle, Aeropostale, yes. and Hollister every yes, day Yes, you
0: did. You did.
1: So I had this blue, like, Hollister jacket that you used to always wear. It.
0: Yes. Yes. I remember that. I remember a green collared American Eagle t-shirt. I remember cargo shorts. I remember braces. <laughs> and I remember comfy hoodies that I would go home with and I would die because it was in, like, Wait, those were puberty years and I would like die just like, oh my god, this cologne smells so good. How embarrassing is that? Yeah,
1: it's it's pretty awful. I'm like kind of cranking just like a wee bit, just like a tad bit.
0: You know what I like about I I want you to meet Teddy so bad, but you wanna know a similarity that I see in both of you. Okay. And the reason part of the reason why I wanted you on this podcast too is because Teddy and, in my opinion, you, your honorary Filipinos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, as, as, I guess, I don't know, when was the last time you talked to Carlo?
0: Uh, you know, I played Warzone with him uh, maybe like a month or two ago.
1: L- let me tell you my honorary Filipino joke that got me in trouble. Oh, so, no. I, I have a really good friend of mine. He's Filipino, and he like teaches me like little words in Tagalog and stuff. And like, um, I always mess with him about the Kuyas and the Ates, mm-hmm. but I can never, I can never remember which one is cu- like, cu- like, like, like a, a male cousin, a cousin, and like a female cousin, because right? mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what it is, right?
0: Pretty much, in a way.
1: And um, like, I used it wrong one day, and I was telling Carlo that he had to find me a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to find me a girlfriend, but I used the the male version and Carlos like, dude, (laughs) I don't think you know what that (laughs) means. And uh, yeah, I look like a complete idiot. Like Carlos just like (laughs) he will never let me live it down.
0: But don't you think so? Like when I think of you as well, I think of uh, when we were growing up, I think of the Wangs, like your friends. I think of me, I think of Carlo. I think of Monique, I think of Janelle, and we would all, we are kind of just immersed in each other's, like, spaces, but also, I want you to talk more about, you have technically Filipino parents, like your mom and your dad, both medical field, Yep. we have both grown up venting to each other about the expectations that, not only that our parents have put on us, but the expectations that we put on ourselves because of their struggles and everything to come here and make a life for us. And I have always related to you on like a cultural level, regardless of if you are more on the Colombian Hispanic descent side. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, I I think I've always said this, like even talking with my parents, like that, if I had to pick, like, the true cousin, like, of the, like, full background, full disclosure, like, mom's Nicaraguan, dad's Colombian. So, like, if mm-hmm. I had to pick, like, a, a cousin to, like, the Hispanic culture and stuff like that, I'd probably say 100% it's Filipinos. Like, you know, when I, I went to Catholic school, like, for my elementary mm-hmm. education and stuff, and, like, pretty much, like, half my class was Filipino. Like, we'd go to church, and half my class was Filipino, mm-hmm. and, like, to this day, like, I remember, I didn't realize this until I got to, like, middle school, high school, but, like, after church functions and stuff like that, they would give us Filipino food. Like, that's what you buy. Because, like, you know, you had all these, like, old, like, Filipino grandmas and stuff like that. They were, like, the nicest ladies, but they'd make, like, you know, like, big containers of pansit and stuff like that, like, for the church.
0: Yes.
1: You know, so, like, there's a lot of commonality in that regard, even just, like, religiously. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm sure, you know, I know you, you grew up Catholic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like, you know, and my, my mom's a nurse, like you said it earlier, your mom's a nurse, my mom's a nurse. Like we had a lot of commonality in that regard too. And we're first gen. So like our parents put the expectations on us to not only like be great, like professionally, academically, like, and as a person, they just want us to like succeed because they had to go through so much that they want us to to build like this generational mm-hmm. like wealth. So there there's the expectations that you have like already mentioned that are I, I wouldn't say like they're kind of just they're they're always in the back of your mind. They're ever so present. So mm-hmm. like whenever you're doing anything, you're always just like, "Man, I have to be good at this" or like, "I have to you you always feel like those um, there's like the boogeyman, which is like that pressure in the back of your mind. Because you just – you don't want to let down or like disappoint those people. Because you're like, damn, like, you know, they went through so much. And like, yes. if they could do it, like, I have to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So It's heavy, man. When I yeah. – um I sometimes feel – because now I'm in Maine. And even through my travels, even in the hospital where there are – there is a large percentage of – Filipina nurses in hospitals around the world but predominantly I've been traveling up the east coast um, in predominantly white areas and a lot of my success I attribute it which some people say that it's wrong for me to attribute it to my parents and what I would think that they want for me but I do like I attribute you know me getting a good job and, you know, holding, you know, making sure that I keep success like on the upswing. Like I always bring it back to I want to make my parents proud. I want to make my Lolo and my Lola proud. And that's just something that has stuck with me. And a lot of people, even when I, you know, I I got sick when I was recovering I would say, like, you know, I was doing it for, like, my parents. I didn't want my parents to worry anymore, and I was doing it for them. They're like, no, Janine, you're doing it for yourself. Like, you were the one who did this. You were the one who got through this. But really, it's, like, that ever-present but slightly weirdly positive boogeyman that, like, pushes you, like, towards that. So... I feel that on a visceral level. It kind of hurts how much I want to make my parents happy. And I'm so happy you feel that way. Can you believe all of the life transitions that we have been through together? Like how many people can say that they've gone through middle school to high school, high school to like trying to get into colleges, to trying to pick a profession, to going through successful and failed relationships or going through moving and just literally, I don't have many friends that I can say that. And you're yeah, like You, you can even add
1: like essentially going back to living at home and being like hot in school. Yes. People, that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. I, no, I feel like, man, like it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I think that I've had this conversation with so many like alumni from like I guess it's, we're like the class of 2009 from James Weldon. But I think that there was like, there must've been something in the water, but Mm -hmm. the people that were in that class, it's a bit of like a generational thing because of the rise of social media and like Mm. we had technology that was emerging at the time that we were like leaving high school and stuff like that. But man, I mean, those are still my best friends to this day Mm -hmm. and we're, it's, it's incredible how many people from that like era and stuff like that are Mm -hmm. still like best friends. It's, it's actually—it's kind of that's not only remarkable, but it's just like beautiful. It so it's is. just like man, like I remember seeing y'all in the hallway together, like.
0: This kid. <laughs> oh man! Please just erase that from your memory. Me and my <laughs> frizzy hair and my capris—I was like a wannabe Aeropostale too. That's when their logo <laughs> was still a butterfly, and I'd wear camis underneath. Oh my god! <laughs> it's the worst. But I mean, that's. Partly why I was, a lot of people and myself included, I was like, "Eh." I knew I wanted you on a podcast eventually because of the conversations we've had, just like unwarranted, just a random catch up. Like the depth of what we talk about, it is too remarkable in your words, not to be recorded. And I don't mean to be one of those people who like has to document and record everything, but come on, I mean, I have this, you know, like, why wouldn't I want people to hear the greatness that is our conversations. But I originally was like, should I have guests that are all Asian American, Pacific Islander, but I think that you and your experiences will provide a refreshing and unique kind of glint to this topic, just because I know your upbringing was very similar to mine and your parents are very similar to mine. And this book, A Little Life, can you, how do you, how do you pronounce it? You looked it up. Tell me how.
1: Okay. So I looked it up. Her name is Hanya Yanukahara. Ka- Yana
0: Yanukahara. Okay. Yeah. I definitely mispronounced that in my intro. So I will, I will have to X that out later <laughs> or I'll just come to terms with it. Now I apologize for the, mispronunciation but what you were saying when you were showing me your notes i thought it was so interesting because when you said you texted me saying that um you could kind of see how this book she would be talking about this because of her upbringing i was intrigued because i was looking at her back cover and she doesn't go into any detail about herself you know how like usually on paperback books or hard hardback books from the library where they have like the flaps on the back flap. It'll be like all about the author and talk about all of their accomplishments and everything. She has one sentence. It's Hanya Yanikahara is the author of The People in the Trees. She lives in New York City and that's all. So I was like, whoa. Did you dig up any like extra info on her? Or was was it all pretty like simple?
1: She, if you go on our Wikipedia, like, there's actually a lot of info about her, like, personal life, like her, like, like her roots and whatnot. So mm-hmm. she's like fourth gen American. Mm-hmm. Her mother was born in Seoul, so she's like half Korean on that end, and her father is of Japanese origin. But the reason why I think that she would relate to a couple of characters in the book, you can definitely see her influence. Her dad was a like a heme-onc doc so like mm, hematology and oncology. Yeah. So like I mean that's a pretty prestigious like specialty in medicine so that's like kind of insane. I know.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I was kind of delving through and I was really um I wanted to review her before I start like this month at us to be honest. I never really know about these like celebratory months until I see them posted on Instagram or Facebook. I'm a uh, a consumer of social media in that sense to the t but i do want to do you mind if i no i want you to i want you to read kind of just to give a background to everything why i'm doing this poll podcast for the book this month and why we're focusing on it do you mind like just talking about those facts about aapi month that you gathered
1: yeah, sure okay so the like Just a little bit of history about Asian American Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. Just disclaimer, I am obviously not Asian Pacific Islander, but this is what I discovered when I did a little bit of research. So uh, it was first introduced in June of 1977 by a representative named Frank Horton, who's a Republican from the state of New York. Mm. He took a little bit of convincing. So there was actually someone that convinced him to do it. And he introduced it with uh, Norman McManida, I think his name is.
2: He's mm-hmm. a Democrat
1: from California, and he is of Japanese descent. So mm-hmm. there was someone in the House, well, this is the House of Representatives, that like was of Asian descent that helped like bring the bill about. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a whole year for it to actually get signed by President Carter, which it was signed in October of 1978. So that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it was only for a week. And um, the reason they chose May was because the first Japanese immigrants came to the U.S. in 1843 in mm-hmm. May of 1843 mm-hmm. and also in may of 1869 we completed the first transcontinental railroad which utilized a bunch of chinese labor which i mean obviously hindsight that's really like messed up because it was like cheap like mm. cheap labor and stuff like that and it's, yeah like, really messed up so it's like not necessarily a good like homage but you know i guess that's their way like way of like using homage to like paying homage i should say towards them mm-hmm. um And then in 1990, President George Herbert Walker Bush extended it from a week to a month. And then in 1992, it was changed from Asian American Heritage uh, Month to AAPI, which is what we know nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of a mouthful. So sorry if I stuttered a little bit.
0: Oh, you're fine. I stutter all the time. I've done a podcast where I was like two glasses of wine in. and I do not know why I published it. But, you know, like, that's the real me. Like, my, my peeps know the real me. But, you know, thank you for that little tidbit. I didn't, like I said, I would have gone online and looked it up myself. But you took care of it for me. So I'm very thankful for that. Are you, were you like freaked out when I asked you to be on this or were you like, oh, were you expecting it?
1: Um, I wasn't freaked out, but like it definitely like I was a little overwhelmed because I was like, oh man, I definitely got to like do my homework because like, you know, like you're the homie, man. Like this is like <laughs> your thing, dude. I'm telling you five stars on Apple Podcasts, man. I love this thing. Like this thing is like a life changer because I live in the middle of nowhere Oh, like, I listen to this like everywhere. So like, you know, I you know, it's an honor, bro. Like it's like a legit honor to be on this thing, man. Shout out to, you know, Gene between the lines, man.
0: I was so, so surprised when you told me that you were I'm not surprised in the sense like I would be surprised that you would support me in that way, but it, I was surprised but also not because like I said our conversations are pretty much the depth of like when I'm in an episode They are usually that way, if not even deeper. So, you know, and we live on opposite sides of the U.S. right now. (laughs) And just like from the origins, I'm pretty sure, like, if you listen to number one, it's like, this is how I connect to people. And even if we're not actively talking, the fact that I know in the back of my head that you're listening, like, we're still – we're still connected. Like, I'm still, like, I'm in your car. <laughs> like <we're>... <laughs> like, like... <laughs> You're
1: literally sitting right next to me as I like to <laughs> through,
2: all the way from St. Augustine to Jackson
1: like 40 minutes, like, every day. Like,
0: it's awful. I but. love it so much. Don't lie. You, you love thinking that I'm, like, right there next to you while we're driving in the car, pretending like I we're having a deep conversation.
1: I love it, though, because, like you mean you put out your story that you were like traveling somewhere and I was just like, Oh, you coming home? And you're just like, no, I'm going to a wedding. And I instantly knew like where you're going and stuff. Cause like, I didn't even, I, I thought it was cool. Cause I was just like, Oh, cool. I know she's going to that wedding that she talked about on podcasts and stuff. Wow! And I was like, I felt like I kind of like had like an idea of like what's going on in your life and stuff. And mm-hmm. nowadays, like we're adults, man, like 14 years of friendship. Cause like, it's wild, man. We've been friends for a minute and it's kind of hard to keep up with everyone. Mm You're not actively going to text everyone like every couple months Mm -hmm. or even have a phone call with them. So if you can just like listen to what they're up to and stuff like that, it's not like active communication. It's definitely passive communication. and Sometimes passive communication can be just as good as active, especially in this form. So you have to utilize what we have.
0: That makes me so happy. So I don't know. Um, a lot of people which i've noticed i've i think i've said it in a couple episodes but i i i surprised myself sometimes because while this podcast started out as like a different form of a book club i am noticing that a lot of people will i i rack up more of the views on my otts where i'm talking with my friends than my actual book related podcasts i was like holy crap that's that's fun. They actually want to know like stuff about my life. But just to give you like a baseline structure of the stuff that I'm going to ask you if you haven't like listened to most of the book ones, I usually – what I'll do, if I finish a whole book, um, usually my books are decorated with sticky notes and notes, and I will talk about the most significant things that kind of stuck out to me. And then I'll kind of dive in and relate that to how I think it reflect, it's reflected in my life. And it's kind of nice with this end because it's such a chunky, monkey book. Like I can actually take my time. And if, including you or whoever wants to listen to it, if you were like reading along, we could like gush at the same time. It's like, oh my God, do you remember this part? Like, oh my God, that was exactly what happened when I was a kid or when I was in college. Like that part really got to me. Like that's that part of, like, the book club-esque relationship is the reason why I wanted to do it in the first place. So I'm I'm going to read you and the listeners um, kind of, like, the first quote that really stuck out to me. And I was like, well, like, I, I, I feel like I'm in this boat. And then I'm going to tell you what I thought about it first, and then I want to hear what you have to say about it. Is that okay? We have, like, three of these. Yeah,
1: let's do it.
0: Let's freaking do it. And then did I tell you at the very end um, – I want to talk to you about those unpopular opinions and kind of do a speed round, and you have to tell me what you think about what my listeners sent in. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, what? I mean, that's what we're here for, right? Like, <laughs> come on, let's do it. Let's talk, give the people what they on. want, dude.
0: Trevor Lawrence, you know.
1: Yeah, man. On, give <laughs> all me the hard questions, dude. Oh, I'm, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the press, dude. All right, dude.
0: I know you are. I'm gonna read it now. Okay, so this one is. I don't remember. It's page 15. If anyone wants to follow along, but it starts out. This is in the. Um, it's in the perspective of JB, and I'm gonna read a small excerpt. So it says, "I'm lucky," he'd think, and then because he was competitive, and kept track of where he stood against his peers in every aspect of life. I'm the luckiest one of all, but he never thought he didn't deserve it, or that he should work harder to express his appreciation. His family was happy when he was happy, and so his only obligation to them was to be happy, to live exactly the life he wanted on the terms he wanted. We don't get the families we deserve, Willem had said once when they had been very stoned. He was, of course, speaking of Jude. I agree, JB replied, and he did. None of them, not Willem, not Jude, not even Malcolm, had the families they deserved. But secretly, he made an exception for himself. He did have the family he deserved. They were wonderful, truly wonderful, and he knew it. And what's more, he did deserve them. I, I, I am in the prior party. I don't think I deserve my family. Anyways, like I was saying, no, I, I don't think I deserve my family. And how? I wouldn't call myself privileged. Yeah, I, I I think I was very privileged in comparison to a lot of people. But yes, in relation to your childhood and upbringing, do you think that you deserved your your family in that context?
1: No, not at all. Not I, at all. I, I have to be honest with myself. Like I I lived a very privileged life. I, I always did. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean Full disclosure, my, my father's a physician, so, like, I think I can relate to the author in that regard, like, Miss, Miss Hanya, because, like, she, I think that that's where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. I think her and I have some commonality in that regard, um, because, like, I mean, I I lived a sheltered life and stuff like that. Like, I mean, I lived in a gated community for, like, a good, like, three-fourths of my life, mm-hmm. and, like, I definitely was sheltered from a lot of experiences that most kids my age like, when I was in middle school and high school, I had to experience and, like, I didn't catch up until I was in college and on my own. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because my parents were so good to me and stuff like that. They always took care of me and made sure I had everything. Mm-hmm. So, that a lot of that, I think, has to do with, like, our immigrant experience. Like, like not our immigrant experience, but, like, our experience of being first-gen and mm-hmm. being the product of immigrant children. So,
0: Ooh. yeah. That is true. I... When I think of what you had written in your notes, like, you're you're completely right. Like, I come from – my dad wasn't a physician, but he was an x-ray tech. My mom is a nurse. And I don't know if you had this happen to you, but have you ever, like, in your elementary school or your – just casual conversations, even in middle school, if people are like, oh, what do your parents do? I would say, oh, my mom's a nurse and my dad's an x-ray tech. Were they, even adults, I feel like, they were like, oh, man, so you've got money, or like, you make good money, or you can have anything. I've had that happen to me quite a few times.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I still have it happen to me pretty much everywhere I go. I mean, I, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me per se, but like, I have common dig everywhere I go is that like, I'm a trust fund baby, that I'm like, spoon fed and stuff. Like, the joke of my job is like, I, I live at home with my folks and stuff is that, I live in a gated community (laughs) and like, I mean, yeah, it's true because that's where my parents live. But like, I mean, I can't change that. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my dad for all the work that he's done throughout his life,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but, um, and I'm benefiting from it. It's my privilege. I have to speak my truth and whatnot, but, um, because of that, I don't feel like I, I, I don't feel like at all I'm entitled to like the parents that I deserve. Like they are literally like rock stars. They're the best people ever.
0: And mm-hmm. like
1: I, you know, they're the best, man. I could never ask for a better family.
0: hmm How does that translate in terms of the pressure that you feel to succeed?
1: Every single day. I mean, it is my biggest fear. I I can't um, there's there's six universal human emotions mm-hmm. and um, one of them is like fear, right?
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I think fear is like my most developed emotion. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that I am always so conscious of the fact that, man, I I have privilege and stuff like that. Like my foundation for success, not only like professionally, but just as like a whole, as a whole package and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I started on a higher platform than everybody else. Like, if this was a track race and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and we're running like a 400. I technically started at like 200 meters ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. because of my parents. Mm-hmm. And it's because my parents literally started 200 meters behind everybody else.
0: Yes. I feel that.
1: So, so it's like my biggest fear. And it's something that I think of every day is that I don't make it because I feel like I'm okay with not making it. Like That's okay for me but i don't want to let my parents down i don't want to feel i don't want to feel like i like you know let their sacrifices down and everything that they went through like to to get to this point in life you know i don't want to feel like i'm a disappointment to them
0: mhm and let it all be for nothing yep yep i feel that when i go back to the philippines and i see the small town the school that barely has walls that my mom graduated from like her I've seen her elementary school where there's there's no tables and there's no food and I just think of how at her age now she was able to make her way up here and it's a it speaks to the values that my grandparents had too because both my mom and dad's side, Um, They really stressed education and, um, you know, getting up and getting out of there. And my grandparents would sell everything. They would sell their leftover ketchup. They would sell rice. They would sell fish that they catch. They would borrow money from all of their neighbors just so that my mom and all of her siblings could get a proper education to help them get a job. And my mom was a farm girl. She grew up, like, on the coast you know, fishing, like I said, getting rice from rice patties and selling that. And just to think of that small little place that she came to or she came from and she's here and in Florida and thriving. She's been she just celebrated her 30 year anniversary at Shans. They are putting her picture up on a wall. She just she called me early. She's like, I'm not, I wish you were here to do my makeup. I'm getting my photo taken. I was like, oh. And I am so prideful in that almost, I wouldn't say it's to a fault, but just like a life update really quick in the middle of this. Like I have been struggling between me and prospectively having about three to four different jobs right now. So I'm currently a travel nurse. I'm currently a travel nurse full-time, school full-time, uh, a nursing instructor part-time. And I was, I'm actively applying right now to get a per diem job in the hospital at Maine Med so that I can kind of get my feet wet, have a permanent position that I can stay um, to have experience in the hospital while I convert to full-time teaching, hopefully by spring of next year. And God, a lot of it is, it's a lot of pride for me. Like i that and like the monetary benefits of it but like anytime I apply for a job I've it I've I've missed the mark a couple times already and it's like sometimes I have to take a step back and be like why am I like stressing myself out this much like I already my parents are proud of me I've done a lot and I feel Like, I've done a lot, and it's just I always have this mindset where I need to just go, 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 accomplish more and do more and make more and be more. And I think a lot of that is rooted in the fact that I was raised to be, like, work or die, work or die always. And that's kind of something I haven't been able to unpack, but I guess we're unpacking right now. So that's (laughs) – it's hard, man. It's hard.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to that. Like, I first off, like I was cheesing like like a motherfucker. Sorry, I don't know if I'm <laughs> allowed. I don't know if I'm
0: allowed. To don't worry, I, I put this as explicit, so do it. Okay. Do what you okay, gotta great. do.
1: Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm sorry, sorry peeps, sorry <laughs> to my uh, people. Oh, but you. yeah, um, I was cheesing really hard when you were talking about your your mother's story and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So shout out to Mama Jimenez, dude. Like awesome. <laughs> really proud of you that's awesome and you know Mm
0: -hmm. keep on
1: We, we hope for another 30 man right go for another 30 dude
0: let's do it
1: um but you know a lot of the experiences that you talked about in the philippines i can i have a lot of commonality and like you're describing your like your mother's side and like the family and what she's, like, what it's like, and, you know, just, like, your familial roots, and, Mm -hmm. like, I'm kind of, like, nodding my head, and I was just like, man, that hits hard, because I, I relate, because it's so similar to my mom's side of the family, and it's funny, because, you know, our, our mothers are in the same profession. Wow. You know?
0: I didn't know that.
1: um, Yeah, because my mom, I mean, Nicaragua is the, used to be the second poorest country on, in, like, the Americas, like, this side of the world, but it might be the third now, because, Mm. you know, stuff. But, um, yeah, my mom's side, she grew up really poor. My mom is the oldest of four siblings and stuff like that. And they're spread across like different, um, like my mom was the oldest by like, I think like 12 years, I think. Mm. So like, um, there's a significant age gap. So she was almost like a, like a secondary mom to like her youngest siblings and stuff. And, um yeah so you know my grandmother like she's you know bless her heart man she's the best i love her i love her she's yes. awesome and but she, she doesn't have formal education so she was she was a hustler man like she she sold she sold um like she was she she was a uh, she sold she always sold stuff like she's like not like you know illegally or anything like i had to clarify that
0: she sold some stuff i just i
1: just made her sound like,
0: a dealer.
2: like
1: "Get, get a Jesus. <laughs> but like, like no nah, man like she she um she always had like a business going or something she would you know like sell things and that's kind of how it is in the third world like if you know if you have like tortillas, if you have a skill that you could like you know sell tortillas or you can sell like little goods and, like wholesale mm-hmm. right I was trying to think of the best word for it, but wholesale is like what I can come up with. Mm -hmm. You can buy like goods in bulk and then you can go around the community and sell them in bulk and stuff. And that's kind of what she would do. And with that money, she would, you know, provide a better life for her kids. And eventually like all my, 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 my mother and her her siblings are all really well educated. Mm -hmm. So like it, it it worked, but man, dude, like it's, it's crazy to hear all the commonality between us because like, you know, you're, family grew up in the Philippines, like, you know, across the world from mine and the experience is so similar. So, you know,
0: Peep, yeah. I, think,
1: I think about like the original quote and um, sometimes, you know, I'm sure if we asked our parents, do we feel like they deserve their, like their, their families? I'm sure like if we keep going, you know, even vertically up our family, the answer is always going to be like, no, no, no. And yep. I think that's beautiful. Oh,
0: I think it is too. I can't believe... Oh, that actually makes my heart hurt a little bit. And, you know, the part of the quote that says um, his only obligation to them was to be happy to exactly to live exactly the life he wanted on the terms he wanted. I disagree with that wholeheartedly, at least in my in my personal experience, because. I know if. My parents, if I was um, someone who was just wanted to stay at home and kind of live paycheck to paycheck, but stay in my comfort zone, my parents would always support me in that. And they have told me multiple times if things go wrong or if I'm like, if you want to come home, you can just come home. Like I'm always welcome there. Um, but I don't feel like my only obligation to my parents is to be happy. I feel like there are so many things facets that I need to achieve in order because what would make me happy in order for me to be happy would be to make them happy ultimately and I've just never been in the mindset where like I was kind of like an individualistic or like I don't want to say selfish because sometimes in some rights it's it's nice and it's Warranted to want to be like an independent, like entity where you're reaching for your goals without the pressure of what your parents want. And it's your life and your choices that will either make you happy or not make you happy. But with our cultures and with AAPI culture and with your upbringing, it's like our parents are so deeply rooted in that. And it's not something that you can just like pull out or like separate yourself from. Do you do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that there's a lot of sociological research that supports that. There's there's a big divide. I mean, if we're going to look at it through like the lens of like the AAPI month and like Eastern culture versus Western culture, there's mm-hmm. I mean, well documented sociological phenomenon that shows that you know collectivism versus like individualism and stuff like that. You you did a good job alluding to it, which is. I mean, your mentality is completely like rooted in collectivism, mm-hmm. and I—I I mean, look, I come from a background that is—I'm also rooted in collectivism. I think that there are moments where one has to make decisions that are for their in their best interest and stuff like that, and it's okay to be selfish in certain instances and whatnot, depending on like what the situation is. But at the end of the day we come from backgrounds where the family unit is everything, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, you know, it's almost like the, I, I didn't, I never watched Game of Thrones, but like, I think it's like <laughs> the wolf pack lives on or something like that. It's like, yes. quote. so it, it's very similar to that. And in collectivism, like we, we have to continue like, the, you know, not only like economic advancement of our families, but we just have to make sure that we're progressing as people. Mm-hmm. So we, we can't stay stagnant because that would just be like, kind of like, it's not dishonorable and it's not like necessarily like, we're not looking at it from that angle, but it's just more so like uh, we have to continue the progress that has, we're like, that has already been made. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of view it, like I always use the analogy of a house, right? Mm-hmm. So like each generation continues to build a new like part of the, of the house. So mm-hmm. if you want to view it from like, oh, the grandparents laid the foundation like parents started putting up the frame of the house, Mm -hmm. you you put up the drywall, your kids are going to start, you know, putting up like the the floor and like, you know, the roof or something like that and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah. And I think in regards to both of us, not to like brag about us or anything, but that makes us better people. I think we're great people. <laughs> I think we're amazing. Like I want I to want kick right now. Sometimes I hate myself, you know, but I feel like reading this book kind of put me into perspective, put myself into perspective, you know, and put me in the mindset that like there are so many people just like me who have the same like goals and motivating factors as me. And I know for a fact that we're we're out here just trying to do good. And we're doing it for like that foundational cause. Cause it's like it's bred into us to support and to have these tight family units and to be there and be loyal and rep hard. You know what I mean? Like I'm so prideful in being Filipina. I'm it's one of my favorite things. Like the I love talking yeah. about it. I love When people like ask me like, oh, I know sometimes people mistake me for being Hawaiian or whatever, but I love, you know, like even in a sea of, you know, predominantly white people, my uniqueness and like what I bring to the table will always be like something different. I'm like I'm just like different sometimes. <laughs> but dude, like
1: I'm, I'm, I'm digging this like Jesus form of Dude. GD. You're, you're
0: on your Kanye stuff right now. I'm like on. It. I'm on it. Closed on Sunday, dude. But like I <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not like this all the time, but I think it's it's just the month and it's it's making me feel very prideful and like I don't know. It's I I I f heavy with just the thought that I I don't think it's a problem. It can be it can be stressful and it can be a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. The fact that we hold so much value in making our families proud. Um, for sure. That's I've for definitely sure. gone through the ringer, like mentally, just feeling like a failure and letting my parents down, and it's oh my god, it's almost debilitating. Oh yeah. But for sure. you know, we just gotta we just gotta live our journey. You know what I mean? Like we're we're making strides. We're getting there, you know, and it's a lifelong process, I feel like. Don't you think so?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think you I was I was actually going to talk about that, so like I'm I'm really glad you you mentioned it. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about it from like the you know like from the Kanye perspective, it's like yeah, like it's it's great, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Go family unit, go collective. <laughs> Our family's the greatest, like, you know. And, and you know, and I mean, I truly do feel that way. But at th- at the end of the day, like, are there days where like the collective attitude has really like de- like you? I love the word that you use, debilitating. Mm-hmm. Are there days where like the collective attitude has just been almost crippling for my
2: mental health? Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, percent. I think there are days where
1: you know you you have like a goal that you want to achieve and stuff like that and in individualism if you achieve that goal you're just letting yourself down Mm -hmm. and that's something I kind of talked about earlier like okay you let yourself down no big deal but if you let down the collective it's huge because you feel like everyone else is relying on your success and Mm -hmm. people have you know when there's expectations of you to you know uh, reach a certain goal and to achieve like you know, a certain level of professional
2: success—it's
1: mm-hmm. tough, and that—that that to me is—it's really difficult. Especially if you're like, you know, I—I I, I like to think that you're really ambitious. You just say yourself, you're freaking four jobs right now. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I consider myself an ambitious person as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're out there and you're pursuing different things, and you know, you fall short of something, it's just really hard sometimes because you have to consciously remind yourself, it's all right its okay, like it's fine, you know. It's everything's going to be fine. Like the, you know, the the house is not going to burn down. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we have siblings, the siblings can carry forth the house. house. If we're like a complete failure, it's okay. Yeah. Worst case scenario. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) We have each other to lean on for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So this next quote, Franklin and I made an executive decision and because we are mouthy people and we can literally talk for hours, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I've made an episode where I, it was almost two hours long and that was just me talking by myself. So I think eventually, which we've already discussed, Frankie's going to come back for another episode where we talk about more. But this quote that mm-hmm. I'm about to read, um, it's on page 41 and this one like not only did it, it didn't tear me apart, but I could feel, I've already told you that this book has elicited like visceral emotion, but this one, I just, not only did I feel it, like I see it, it and my like social media page is an embodiment of what I'm about to read. So it's a little bit long, but I want you to hear it anyways, my listeners. So let's see. So it starts like this. When did pursuing your ambitions cross the line from brave into foolhardy? How did you know when to stop? In earlier, more rigid, less encouraging, and ultimately more helpful decades, things would be much clearer. You would stop when you turned 40 or when you got married or when you had kids or after five years or 10 years or 15, and then you would go get a real job. And acting and your dreams for a career in it would recede into the evening a melting into history as quiet as a briquette of ice sliding into a warm bath. But these were days of self-fulfillment, where settling for something that was not quite your first choice of a life seemed weak-willed and ignoble. Somewhere, surrendering to what seemed to be your fate had changed from being dignified to being a sign of your own cowardice. There were times when the pressure to achieve happiness felt almost oppressive, as if happiness were something that everyone should and could attain and that any sort of compromise in its pursuit was somehow your fault. Would Willem work for year upon year at Ortolan, catching the same trains to auditions, reading again and again and again, one year maybe caterpillar- caterpillaring an inch or two forward, his progress so minute that it hardly counted as progress at all? Would he someday have the courage to give up and would he be able to recognize that moment or would he wake one day and look in the mirror and find himself an old man still trying to call himself an actor because he was too scared to admit that he might not be, might never be. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> your thoughts, your thoughts um, are starting.
1: For, for me, it was, it was, just, I, it was palpable, man. Like that last line in particular was very palpable because, uh um, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of already mentioned it and I think I sent it to you as like a factoid about myself. Like I'm an aspiring physician and stuff, but like Mm -hmm. I graduated college in 2017. I finished with my master's in December of 2020 because we're in 21. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's difficult because I've seen a lot of people my age already graduate from med school and they're starting the residency and stuff. Mm. So when I saw the sentence, like, would he, would he someday like have the courage to give up? And would he be able to recognize that moment, or would he one day look in the mirror and find himself an old man, still trying to call himself an actor? Like
2: mm-hmm. that
1: was really palpable for me because I, I don't want to. I see I'm 26 and I I'm still pursuing this dream that I'm going to be starting like a like a program someday where all the kids are significantly younger than me and stuff like that. But I'm still working towards it. But I'm scared that what happens if I don't get there someday, mm,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. So I
1: read that line and it was like, it, it hit me like a, you know, like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. And I, I had definitely like, I related to him at that moment because I mean, obviously this is, this is Jude kind of talking about Willem at that moment, correct? Like this isn't Willem actually like himself saying it, right?
0: I, no, this is actually Willem self-reflecting.
1: Okay. So, I mean, yeah. Then even more so because I've had yeah. these self-reflections.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I've definitely been like, "Man, like, am I am I gonna be like old one day, like and not have met my dream? Like, am I gonna wake up someday and just like never actually made it? And am am I gonna look back and realize, man, I just wasted my twenties like pursuing this dream and never made it?
2: Mm-hmm. And I feel
1: like at that moment, that's kind of where he's at. Like he's been spending years trying to pursue this dream that he's had, mm-hmm. but you know, he could have done something else. And, like, actually achieved success in something that mm-hmm. wasn't acting. Is he actually an actor? Or is this even something that he wants to do? Mm-hmm. All this introspection is, like, thoughts that people that are uncertain about where they're at with their career, like, they have all the time. And I can attest to that because it's somewhat something that I, I currently, like, grapple with internally myself.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I loved it.
0: I loved it, too. I kind of want to, like, unpack from the head down, like, just undress. <laughs> so, uh, you, do you do that. You do that right now. <laughs> I have nothing on. <laughs> just kidding. But, like, so this is what, like, so first sentence. When did pursuing your ambitions cross the line from brave into foolhardy? So one of the things, I'm going to center this around um, kind of, my social media scape at the moment. I just want to ask you first, how many people on your Facebook page or Instagram, how many people our age are like starting their own businesses or kind of defeating or like protesting the norm of, for me, with my Filipino communities and upbringings, if you were someone who was like, oh, I want to be an artist or oh, I want to be an actor, tell me that your eyebrows wouldn't be furrowed by the titas and titos. Like, why don't you go to nursing school? That's <laughs> like, right? Like, I like when I think of when did your ambitions cross the line from brave into foolhardy, it's upsetting. It's like that's one of the things that could possibly be labeled as toxic, because toxic, but also it's warranted the reason why our parents would feel that way. Because like you said, like they, the reason why they're here and why they were able to provide us for good jobs is because they were part of the generation that, you know, keep your head down, do your work, make a good living, have a family, and eventually like, you know, do things that make you happy, but do it while making a good living for yourself. And In our generation, growing up in like high school, early college, even now, a lot of people would be looked down upon if they were to do something out of the ordinary. Like, say, one of my cousins or something was like, Oh, I want to start a business selling designer hats, or I want to make jewelry for a living, or I want to make, um, you know, I want to be an artist or start, you know, a blog. And there would be so many people like looking down upon them and thinking, oh, that's foolish. Like, you're not going to make any money out of that. Like, I can only imagine how Willem would feel in that aspect of people thinking like, oh, you're not going to make it. Or, you know, people have these dreams and they pursue them, but then on the side they have like their full-time job. That's like funding their dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that part of me was like, Oh, that's, but it's, it's crazy because now that we have a younger generation who is very, um, I would call them very motivated and very forward in pursuing like aspirations that don't follow the norm and don't, Um, you know, conform to, like, AAPI, baby boomer, like, standards. And they're like, no, I'm going to make my own living doing this. I don't have to be a nurse or a doctor or an engineer or this to be successful. And I think that that's awesome. But also, it couldn't have been me, (laughs) like, growing (laughs) up. Like, I... It, it couldn't have, like, just that straight off the bat, the way that my mind is programmed. Like, one, I'm not that creative. I can't draw. I don't I don't sing or anything. Like, I, I don't have this, like, talent to, like, do something out of ordi- ordinary. Like, I work hard. I don't think I'm that smart. I'm smart because I work hard. I feel like people think I'm smart because I do what needs to be done. But, like, that mindset that Willem is feeling, being, like, an aspiring actor and in a – in a situation being like contemplative on like am I doing this like where am I gonna be in five, ten years? like I couldn't live with myself if I was pursuing like a profession like that, you know what I mean yeah
1: no i I, I definitely not <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I'm like living it right now I mean I you know so i I totally get it mm-hmm. um i I think you brought up a lot of like really interesting stuff that I kind of want to unpack like um you're talking about like a bit of the generational divide in
2: mm-hmm. between like.
1: The, the boomers and I, th- I think it's even more so now between like Gen X and like Zoomers so Gen Z and like what's soon to be Gen A
2: mm. like
1: in terms of like what they want to do with their like professional ambitions and like you know the traditional norms of like you know do well in school
2: go to mm-hmm. college
1: become a uh, you know a lawyer a doctor an engineer mm-hmm. Boom. done right and we're even seeing that here in the state of Florida I mean there was recently legislation passed by like or legislation that was pushed and to be honest i, I don't want it to sound like smarter than i really am i don't know if it was actually passed but i think it was mm-hmm. where they only want people that are doing stem to get bright futures which is really unfair oh. because like there are plenty of people that deserve bright futures like if you go out and you know i mean imagine some kid that gets like a 1500 on their sat at a 1600 mm-hmm. has like it's like they valedictorian and he's like well i want to do social justice law right mm-hmm. and, He's going to major in, like, you know, sociology and psychology. He's he's not eligible for right futures. Wow. So it's like, what the heck, man?
0: That's tough, man.
1: Yeah. So you're seeing this generational gap where people are deciding what professions are not only just venerable, but, like, you know, have societal value. And that's what you were alluding to earlier mm-hmm. versus, like, this younger generation's like, no, I'm going to pave my way and, like, all professions have different sorts of values. Like it's not just people in STEM. It's not just people that are doing traditional, you know, nursing, mm-hmm. you know, medicine, healthcare, STEM. Those are those aren't the only jobs that matter,
0: right? Yeah. And
1: I think that's actually pretty cool. It's a it's a good message to have because I think what you said with the pursuing your ambitions, like it's cool to see that younger folks are like more like. Uh, I guess they're more open-minded and mm-hmm. they, they're, they're more able to like actually uh, follow their their initial dreams and they're not as easily persuaded as maybe we were, mm-hmm. which I mean, I'm like you, right? Like I, I'm not someone that I consider myself overly intelligent. Like I work really hard. I, I do what needs to be done. If they mm-hmm. tell me like, okay, like you need to jump through a hoop, I'll jump through the hoop, Yeah, right? And it needs to be done timely. I'll do it timely. Yes. But like, you know... I think I can succeed in their model, but I don't think I could succeed under this new model. So I'm kind of glad. I'm like an outdated model, if that makes any sense. <laughs> like, I, I'm Tyra Banks. Like, I'm not going
0: to succeed nowadays. Like, <laughs> like, like you had like, your time, you know?
1: <laughs> so, but I had a prime, which, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're good there, you know?
2: I'm
0: all right with that. Oh so, my God. I love that. Can I say something and I want your thoughts on it? Yeah. So Teddy and I were driving and what are your – I want your, like, immediate, like, response. So okay, we were talking about, you know, eventually when we have kids and he used to play – he played all the high school sports. He played baseball. He played football. Um, he didn't play soccer and he didn't play basketball. But I, I was telling him, like, he wanted – if we had a kid, we would want to immerse him in some kind of sports. And I was like, I would want my kids to play basketball, but I'm open to whatever – Like, just for him to get that sense of, like, teamwork and, you know, like, working together. And, you know, he would be, like, I would be the prime, like, sports mom. Like, watch me pull up in a minivan and, like, watch how loud I'm, like, cheering my kid on and, like, t-ball or something like that. like For sure. For sure. I could
1: see it. I could see it right
0: now. Oh, I love it so much thinking about that. But this is what he said. I want to know what you think. He was – I told him. I asked him. I was, like – I was, like, what would you do if – Our seven, eight-year-old came to us and said, Mom, Dad, I want to be an influencer when I grow up.
1: It's really difficult for me to say, like, just to be fully transparent. Like, Mm -hmm. it depends on the kind of things that you're influencing. This is my, I've, I've actually been asked this question before because I'm a guy and guys have guys' group chats. Love right? this. Like the group chats, like every every dude, shout out to the dudes listening <laughs> to this podcast. You know, guy group chats are both a, a, just a beautiful mind in a disgusting place. Like it's just, <laughs> it just is what it is.
0: I'm tweeting but, that. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I've been asked this before. And I my response is going to be like, if it really depends on the product that my, my, child would be influencing for, Mm -hmm. right? Like I I felt like they were an ethical product and that it's something that it's appropriate for a child to be influencing with then. Yeah. I mean, okay, then that's okay. And as they progress in life, then they can choose to make their own decisions and stuff like that. And, you know, once they're 18, I, I, you know, they're an adult, I can't really make them do what I want them to do. Once they're an adult, they're an adult. They Mm -hmm. have to make their own decisions and live with it. But if you're asking me if I consider that to be an honorable profession, no, Mm -hmm. Mm no. I mean, I would be disappointed. But if that's what they want to do and that's what makes them happy, I'd be a hypocrite to say that I think that they should, that I would like, you know, dissuade them in their uh, pursuit of being the best influencer. Mm -hmm. All I would ask is that they you know, finish school,
2: be
1: mm-hmm. good at school, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, be the best damn influencer you can be, <laughs> or something ethical.
0: Yeah, you are much more gracious than Teddy. <laughs> he was like, he's on the mindset like, uh, heck no, like, if you want to do, like, you better finish school, I'm going to put you in front, like, you need to like get a part-time job and like, you know, see about this. Once you have money, once you're secure, maybe you can like try that, like track your success. And, you know, but he was like, no, like not that early on at age seven or eight, he was like, I'll probably do my best to like push their, their personal influences (laughs) other (laughs) ways. and you know i'm the mom, i'm like yeah you know i wouldn't like completely shut it down but you know i would want them to you know just keep on with school see how their interests change and everything like that but that that's also i never would have thought that our generation would be weighing things like that cuz if you think about it i'm i'm kind of in am i in my prime childbearing years you tell me doctor i mean
1: (laughs) i mean bro like i'm not giving medical advice now but i mean i I mean anything under like i mean kind of sort of
0: yeah yeah i I, i'm aware i asked that but i know i am yeah kind of sort of
1: yeah i mean just to finish the kid thing like the influencer thing like i know this because like I'm a weirdo and I just like know random facts but there's literally like a YouTube account like called Toys in Me I think is what it's called mm. and like it's like a, a a it's like a YouTube account that reviews toys and it literally has like a, like millions of subs man I've talked about this with my coworkers before and that girl has to be a millionaire
2: wow she's like 10
1: years old man <laughs> so like there's it, all she does is review toys so like I'm telling you man like there's some of these like kid influencers that have like made it in life and i'm sure their parents are really like financially stable and Mm -hmm. they're monetizing their children because their child monetized a toy and then their parents proceeded to monetize their child Mm -hmm. right and so i mean is it possible but yes but it's also it's just as likely or you know i guess the the caveat is it's just as unlikely to break it out in like Hollywood as it is mm-hmm. to break out as an influencer, you know? So like, I, I wouldn't recommend being an influencer, but like, you know, if, if that's what they want to do, I guess, you know, you have to be supportive.
0: That is true. Yeah. And that kind of leads into like the next un unpackaging bundle we're about to do, because it's, it kind of ties into the next sentence that was like, Oh dang. Um, but it's that quote about self-fulfillment and it said, These were days of self-fulfillment where settling for something that was not quite your first choice of a life seemed weak-willed and ignoble. Am I pronouncing that right? I think I am. Ignoble? I think you're pronouncing it correctly. I'm going to look up the definition of that. But here's the thing. While we're talking about, like, influencers and trust me, I'm a YouTube consumer. I follow a bunch of beauty gurus. And I used to have a serious like obsession with makeup and, you know, you see all these people who are making millions and millions off of brand deals. And you will, when they tell their stories about how they came from nothing and how they lived in, you know, a studio apartment and like their best advice to anyone is like, you just have to, you know, never stop doing what you love. Don't do it for the money. Like, just make sure you're staying true to yourself and posting every day and shouting out to what you love and staying genuine and don't try to to Mm -hmm. make anyone upset and like all this. And it's like, you know, you can, you know what sucks is you can do all of those things and you can have a passion for something and you can create and curate your craft, to be the most beautiful product, and, you know, like, make just something wonderful, and create something great, but that doesn't mean you will always be successful, and I feel like the Filipino generations before me, the reason why, like, one of the standing motivators behind their strictness, and their rigid emphasis on education throughout our entire lives from babies until now is to account for and have insurance that you will not be one of those people who try to do something and fail or you will not be, like, not provided for. Like, it's all based around survival rather than, like, passion or – focusing on something that makes you happy. It's just about making, being able to sustain yourself and or your future families. And that is a difference to what we have, what, you know, what we are going to teach our children and what the younger generation now is going to teach their children.
1: For sure. I, I actually like, again, if it isn't inherently obvious by, like, the way I talk, I have a bit of a psych background. Like, I minored in it, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm not an expert, but, like, I, I relate this to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, like, a basic, like, psychology thing, mm-hmm. which is, like, it's a little pyramid, and it pretty much tells you, like, your your basic needs for, sur- for like, survival and stuff like that. And, yeah. like, our families and stuff like that, being that we are the the, the children of, of immigrants, we're first-gen Americans and stuff like that, our, our families, like, our parents and Their parents and stuff like that really had to find the two bottom rungs of that pyramid Mm. which is literally physiological needs and safety needs Mm -hmm. that's it like they they were never they were never able to go up like the rest of the pyramid Mm -hmm. it's that's sad right there's and that's the case for a lot of people in like like periphery nations throughout the world Mm -hmm. they're never able to actually find the top of the pyramid and we as americans and stuff like that we're blessed man and that's part of my privilege, man, that I, like, talked about earlier and I I will always be thankful for. I
2: am mm-hmm.
1: I have a chance to find the top of the pyramid of yep. my hierarchy of needs. Like, the, the top of it is, it's called self-actualization. It's pretty much finding, like, your full potential, mm-hmm. right? That's amazing, man. Like, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. We're, we're never, you know, like, how many people actually get the chance to do that? If you, if, imagine if you live in a country where you're not sure if you're actually going to be safe and you actually don't have like a good roof over your head and you you're barely having enough you barely have enough for like food and water for your family Mm -hmm. how do you expect someone to like empathize with someone that's like well you know i'm not fulfilled doing you know a job that pays me enough to to provide myself i need to be some i need to do a a, a profession or a career where i feel happy where i find fulfillment Mm
2: -hmm. they're
1: -hmm. never going to empathize with you
2: Mm -hmm. they can't
1: because they're just like dude how can you like you, they're gonna they're gonna just straight up tell you you're ungrateful. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I have this, you know, dichotomy internally where it's like I feel like there's moments where that generation and those people that come from that background eventually have to like have some type of empathy for those people where they, you know, they grew up in different straits. But the people that grew up in the Western world and in core countries, they need to understand, man, people from like, you know. the the old country and stuff like that, they Mm -hmm. literally, like, had to fight for, like, their basic needs. So they, you know, they're not going to understand your lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. Because they they, they just want you to be, like, provided for, and everything outside of that is gravy. So it's a matter of just empathizing with each other. And if you can come to that understanding, hey, everyone's going to be happy with one another. And everyone will understand each other a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and... I think that that is where our society is kind of missing like that understanding and empathy, like you said, but also there needs to be a different narrative of, you know, what contributes to success in a person or as like a teenager at like those crucial years where you're finding – I would consider like post-high school – And, like, early college are, like, very essential. I know – I think I said it in a podcast before. Like, I found my personality, I think, in ninth or tenth grade. And I have been the same person since. But when it comes to, like, your motivating factors for success and, like, kind of laying the map for those, like – bigger roads in your life, like your profession and who you're going to spend your life with and like what you want in a partner and stuff. I think that is like – what what am I trying to say? It's like a lightly etched and kind of like you're finding that in those early college days. And I think that if a lot more younger people were more understanding of that Maslow's hierarchy, that our parents – because I've seen a lot of, like, resentment in people where – not resentment, but do you ever see those memes where it's, like – actually, Logic had a song, and he was – it was his last call, and he was, like, stop doing, like, you know, if you're unhappy with something, then just, like, quit. Like, you've already lost if you're just, like, going to your day-to-day job and, like, you're being unhappy, you just got to jump. You got to do it. Like, if you just, like – If you just submit, then like you've already lost and that person will never know happiness and all of that. While on the other side, it's like if people have like that mindset, we're always like just your life is too short to be at a job where you hate everyone and all this. And like I feel that sometimes, but like I know I got to make a living for myself. And then there's the older people who are like, these kids don't know anything about working hard and stuff being loyal to anything and just jump around and do all this and this and there just needs to be that middle ground of like, you know, do what makes you happy, do what like can sustain you and just be more like open and understanding that our lifestyles over the past like 10-20 years have changed drastically and you, you know, just like be good to one another and like embrace change and like be one and like, learn how to understand like the differences and accept differences between people like it has to be that way or there will be no harmony at all you know that was like a that was a long rant on my part
1: <laughs> no no no. i mean we're talkers like you said man. <laughs> yeah all, all that chit chat
0: all the chit chat i don't know like when when you think of like willem and his struggles do you, what, what, what's your advice to him? Keep going.
1: I I don't think that I can give him advice and I don't think I'm the person that should be giving him advice. If that makes any sense. Mm. Um, and the reason why, well, one, I don't think I should be giving him advice because I'm in a similar position. So like it would be like the blind leading the blind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to continue going my path. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's what I've chosen to do. Like, I mean, I was going to last year, but COVID kind of, you know, messed up like testing cycles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, um, I think that when you're in that type of position, you have to go through introspection, and no one's going to have the answer other than yourself. You really have to sit there and, and ask yourself. Um, this is a quote from the movie that it's just like this terrible movie from the early 2000s. But have you ever seen the movie um, The Girl Next Door?
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe, it, but it, give it, me it, a quote. it's a
1: terrible, like raunchy, like teen comedy and stuff like that. It's not <laughs> good. But there's a um, a quote in the movie. It's like it's like kid. You got to know if the juice is worth the squeeze.
2: Oh.
1: And, um. I I think that I would ask Willem internally: Is the juice worth the squeeze? And I'm not talking about financially. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about in terms of self fulfillment. Because mm. I we've had this conversation before. I, I truly believe that fulfillment is more important than happiness, which you, people can debate me on this all day. That's fine. You know, come at me, you know, at me wherever on social media. <laughs> but, like, I think that people, when you, when you close your eyes at the end of the day, you want to be fulfilled,
2: yep. right? Mm-hmm. I, I
1: think happiness comes in, like, brief moments. Mm-hmm. Happiness isn't, like, a sustained feeling. Like, there's moments and days and, like, Seconds where you're going to be really, really happy. Euphoric is almost like a better word for happiness. Mm-hmm. But fulfillment, man, fulfillment lasts. So if I was him, do introspection. And If you really feel like the fulfillment you'll get by making it as an actor is worth it, then do it. Just be sure that you're going to be able to put the work like, towards it. Reevaluate your habits. Make sure you're putting the necessary work towards it. And if you're ready to find that self-fulfillment, go and get it, man. And we'll be rooting for you, man. Willem, mm-hmm. I think you're a fucking king, dude. And <laughs> I just want you to know that I'm going to be here supporting and encouraging you. And, um, you know, I think you're the best, man. So shout out to Willem.
0: Shout out to Willem, dude. You yeah. go get it. And shout out to you, too. You're going to go get it, too. I feel it.
1: Thanks, man. You're welcome. You're the best.
0: You're the friggin' best.
1: No, nah, dude. No, you. Man. I mean, I really want to get the Paul Rudd meme. I got to get the audio. What <laughs> look,
0: look at us. Man. Look at us. Maybe I will just, like, paste that in, like, just for kicks. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh,
2: my God.
1: So hey. what would you have him do? What, do you, what would you advise
0: him? Uh, you know we're the same. I can't offer any different advice than what you just gave, honestly. Like, there is nothing wrong with pursuing something that you're passionate about but also there is nothing wrong did you did you catch that um what's it called that last line one of the lines in the middle it said um there were times when the pressure to achieve happiness felt almost oppressive and that any sort of compromise in its pursuit was somehow your fault and then he said something like um would he someday have the courage to give up and i was like dude if you i've been i've been here before dude like i've been the friend who had to console a friend when something flops something doesn't go their way and they decide to do a more safe path like you are an incredible human being whether you decide to pursue acting and that's a hard road. It's going to be a hard road. That's tough. You'll have to deal with it. But it's also just as courageous to I don't consider I'm like a positivity freak, but going down a road that's a little more stable and like what's best for you and making Ooh, that decision exactly to do what's best for you. I don't call that a loss. That's not giving up. That's doing what's right. That's you making a cognizant, you know, like decision for your lifestyle to better yourself. And that shouldn't be – as much as I tell people not to beat themselves up about it, yes, you're going to beat yourself up about it. And it's it's going to suck knowing that, you know, something that you pursued didn't go the way you wanted it to. It's a disappointment. It happens to all of us. But I think that the stigma – of, you know, quote unquote, giving up and doing something safer and more, you know, kind of standard, like not, you know, maybe this is a a baseline Asian American Pacific Islander Filipina like story, but say you wanted to be a singer growing up, you were great at karaoke, you wanted to go and perform for the rest of your life, but You know, the cards weren't in your favor. You could have been, like I said, like super – People can have the talent of, you know, the most unique, beautiful talent and passion. That doesn't mean you're going to make it. If you decide to do something like nursing or you want to be a PA or you want to be like one of those – prized and jewel-like professions that your ancestors and your titos and titas would have, like, wanted to push you in the first place. You will probably get scorn from them. You'll probably get scoffed at. I told you, you waste your time in the first place. You should have done that from the start. You waste your four years. Like, okay, well, look now. Look now, auntie. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can – success is very – it's subjective and happiness is subjective and it's hard to pull yourself out of that that realm where you feel like everyone's looking at you and everyone is judging your your path and your success. But it's, it's always going to be like a journey and it's always going to be – it's never going to be an easy journey and that's just the way it is things will never be the same, you know, just, you know, it's just, that's just life, you know?
1: Dude, I, I want to say one last thing because I know we talk so much, but it is so, <laughs> I, it's like the, it's one of the best pieces of advice. It is, it's like pure wisdom and it is so simplistic. And I just feel like I have to say it say because it. it goes along with your quote so well. I so, need it. At one point in my life, I had to make a really difficult decision. Uh, regarding like my academic future this Mm -hmm. is in college this is back in 2013 and I went to like actually I went to like counseling for it because I wanted to make sure I was making the right decision Mm -hmm. and essentially the the decision had to involve with me switching schools Mm -hmm. and it had to involve me leaving a school that was like highly I mean I I, look I'll be honest with y'all so it had to involve me like transferring out of the University of Florida which Mm -hmm. I mean, UF is considered like you know, oh, it's like the Harvard of the South. I mean, it is what it is, right? And I was ready to leave, right? Mm-hmm. And when like the line that Willem says about, um, God, I have to pull up the exact quote because I want it right now. Do it. Okay. Times Okay. Here we go. Would he? Would he someday have the courage to give up? right? Mm -hmm. And that's like where I was at, at that point in my life. Like, I didn't want to be there anymore, but I was, I had to ask myself, would I just have the courage to finally give up? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want to be there. Like, I knew I wasn't happy anymore, and I I wanted to give up, right? But I knew that I was going to be letting other people down. And I went and talked to, I talked to like a counselor and stuff, and she gave me sage like wisdom.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: I've used it, I've given this, passed this piece of advice off to other people ever since. And I was telling her, I was like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm making the right decision whether to stay here or to go and, you know, transfer to another school. Mm-hmm. And she told, she told me there is no right or wrong decision. There's only a right or left decision. And I know that sounds really corny, but I feel like this really does apply to Willem because mm-hmm. it, it's very, like it's very like laconic in my opinion. Because you, everyone always thinks when they're presented two options that there has to be a right decision. Mm-hmm. And you, you alluded to it so well with what you had to say. I mean, you're a lot more eloquent than I am, so like, <laughs> not surprising. But like, you alluded to it so well, which is just like, if you're presented a choice in life sometimes, you're not, it's not a matter of right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a choice. Mm-hmm it's that simple you'll make a choice and you'll live with the consequences of it but don't you like i've ever since then i've never made myself like stress out over the like the consequ like the the stress of like i'm going to make the right decision or the wrong decision because it's like well it's just a decision Mm -hmm. you know you're going to make that choice and it is what it is right but it's not like whatever choice you make is like it, it blew my mind and i feel like a lot of people are always especially people like us that grew up as first like generation Americans Mm -hmm. are like chronically always feeling like, man, if I make the wrong decision, I'm letting down, like, like we talked about earlier, the collective, Mm -hmm. but we don't have to think about things in those terms. And I feel like you did a really good job of like alluding to that. So Mm -hmm. I just, I had to get that one in there, man.
0: Oh, It's so good. And I like that feeling of like giving in and it, it breaks you. It's heartbreaking. And it, it your, your mind gets messed up, your mental state, you feel like a letdown and everything. But I just wanted to like – this quote comes later in the book and is another testament to why you should read with me. But this is what this one got me. And I actually tweeted it and I quoted her. It says this, this whole incident is a metaphor for life in general Things get broken, and sometimes they get repaired. And in most cases, you realize that no matter what gets damaged or changed, life rearranges itself to compensate for your loss. Sometimes, wonderfully. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Yeah, because who would have thought? Like in when I got sick in 2016, and I I felt such a. Deep heavy hearted loss watching a lot of my close friends walk across the stage and graduate without me because I had to decelerate. I'm in nursing school, I, I was so upset. And you know, at that time, I was feeling like just a straight up loser. Man, I knew it was nothing that was in my control, but you know, I I always felt the pressure to like get everything done, get everything done quick. And like, I I could have graduated with them. I should have kept on, but you know, I had to take a step back for health reasons. And if I didn't take that step back, like I just think about the things that I would have missed out on. Like my best friends are from the cohort behind them. My opportunity to go to Nashville and go to that conference and realized that I wanted to work there first of all. Like I, I probably would have stuck around in Florida and, you know, gotten a new grad residency there, which would have been fine too. It, again, it's right or left; either of them would have been an acceptable decision. But I think that the end of that quote that she says, like it compensates for your loss, sometimes wonderful. You never really expect to, you know, get something more positive than like that current hurtful outcome but you know it's a it's a hard knock life sometimes and you never i'm very grateful for a lot of the seemingly missed opportunities that i've had because i look in the grand scheme of things and ultimately like just being here like talking to you like life's it's been it's been going pretty all right and you know if i didn't miss those certain things then I wouldn't be where I am now, just recording upstairs, one beer in,
1: with my buddy
0: for 14 freaking years, you know?
1: Sounds like a good life to me, man.
0: You think so? It it is. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Just, (laughs) Just a tad bit. Just a freaking tad. Little, uh this was an instagram it wasn't a poll but it was a questionnaire that i posed and i actually had some replies on twitter and on instagram and i'm gonna read first of all i'm gonna ask you what your opinion is about these unpopular opinions and i'll tell you what i think and it's gonna be like it doesn't have to be a speed round we can dwell as long as we want but just like straight off the jump tell me what you think about them okay all right let's do it all right number one the show friends is not funny
1: I don't like friends. I, I don't think Friends is funny. I, mean, uh, I agree. <laughs> that's straight facts. Whoever posted that is a genius. Like I, I think they're awesome. Like I I want to be friends with the person that posted that.
0: Oh, good because that's my preceptor, and she's one of like my closest friends. She's like my mom, so she's you would love her. I you know what. I agree with you, but that doesn't mean that I don't like the show Friends. I love looking at it, but but not for the acting, not for the comedy of it, but I like looking at the fashion sense. And I am, as some Filipinas would say, I'm Maarte to the max. So I love the drama. So that's the reason why I watched Friends.
2: Okay. All I right. Like it. I like it. Okay,
0: number two. Uh, Keeping anyone and everyone on social media. Weed out the haters. Tell me your thoughts. Um, uh,
1: I, I definitely, like, I go through an annual cleanse. Is that weird? Am I, like, a psychopath?
0: No, that sounds very, like, yogi-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: you say <see> yogi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yogi? Like, who's yogi? Like, yogi girl? No, like,
0: yo, like, yoga influencers. Like, yoga, like... Guys and gals that are doing like back bends and talking about like spiritual like happiness and balance. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, not tight, Yogi tight, Bear. Tight. Dude, I wish
1: I wish I was as
0: flexible as a yoga person. dude That'd be tight. Teddy's okay. super flexible. That's, oh, oh, nice. Ah. Lucky you. Lucky you. Never. This is not what I was thinking. Okay. But do you do you agree or disagree? Wait, what? Do you agree? Keeping anyone and <laughs> everyone on social media weed out the haters. Because <laughs> <can't stop> I'm thinking <laughs> about flexibility now. I'm sorry, man. You're the one that brought it up. I I'm did. I am the worst. Tell me about your cleansing, annual cleansing. Bring reel it back in, Frankie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um uh, like I I I like getting rid of a I I like getting rid of people. Like I have a policy. If I haven't spoken to you or like I don't have, like, an active stake in your life, then you're, like, off my social media. Like, I don't, like, want you on there. Dang. Because it's, like, it, it's, like, why why would I have you on there, you know? I think we already use the term, like, friend in society, like, too loosely.
0: Mm. So. Oh, that's a topic we could talk a lot about.
1: We could talk about anything a lot about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll keep going because I know this will be a three-hour episode if we dwell. Um Bell bottom jeans. I love them. What are your thoughts?
1: I, I don't think I've ever had any thoughts on them, honestly.
0: Do you think girls look cute in them versus skinny jeans?
1: Dude, I like skinny jeans, dude. Skinny oh. jeans. Girls in skinny jeans.
0: Mm. <laughs> Scrumptious. Hey, he's <laughs> he's single. <laughs> <laughs> this Trust is Trust me, a- you
1: don't want me. I'm a wreck. <laughs>
0: If you couldn't tell me this podcast, you got a lot of damage. To work. <laughs>
1: Hashtag damage. I'm like the, I'm like Jared Leto's Joker. Like I literally I have like a grill. I have damage tattooed on my forehead. <laughs>
0: oh my god! Okay, 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 okay. Um, this is the fourth unpopular opinion. There should not be a rift between millennials and Gen Z.
1: There shouldn't, but there there's going to be
0: for sure. That is true. That is true. Uh, okay. What about this? Um, the idea that it's popular to always be busy. Why is it? Why do people brag about not sleeping or brag about being stressed all the time?
1: Dude, why did you just add me? Like, <laughs> that's like completely unfair. That was unwarranted. Whoa!
0: I did not mean to. That was one of my friends. <laughs>
1: Um, I don't know. I feel like some people don't brag about it. It's just like a conversation piece. And like, I, I try my best not to, because I, I understand like how annoying that can be. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, some people just are like really busy. Like, we can't help it. Like, we, we got stuff going on. Like, maybe you should get stuff going on. Like, <laughs> like get, get, get good, son. Like, come on.
0: Do you think being busy is a personality trait?
1: Is it a personality trait? Um, okay, like, probably biased, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's definitely associated with type A.
0: Hmm, I see. I see. Did you like my, uh, my podcast about those personalities?
1: I did. I did. I partook in it. I think the person <laughs> that probably submitted that prompt, low key genius.
0: <laughs> Plot twist.
1: Plot twist. But I, think they're, I think they're low key genius. Yeah,
0: they're, they're pretty smart, I'd say. I think I might have to have them on the podcast one of these days.
1: No, I don't think so. I wouldn't recommend that. Mm,
0: we'll, let, we'll let the media decide. All right. Next one. We have two more. And then I actually have one that, uh, that hasn't been submitted, but it's been like running on my mind. It's not that deep, but I just want to know what you think about it. Um, Let's see. Gossip Girl sucks.
1: Leighton Meester was on Gossip Girl, and that's all I know about it.
0: Yes. I love her. Do you like her? Is that why you know about it?
1: My sister was a big Gossip Girl fan. Um, Shout out to Nadia. I hope you're listening to this.
0: (laughs) I was Um, a big Gossip Girl fan.
1: uh, So, no, I don't know anything about it, unfortunately. Sorry, guys.
0: That's okay. Did you know that my first tattoo was influenced by Gossip Girl? Really? I thought it was a Lord of the Rings thing. So... This is What? Okay, this is the tattoo. Wow. This is actually very revealing cuz I don't think I've only my friends know. Well, you know, all my listeners are friends. Let's be real. So, just briefly, in 2016, Abby and I were reckless sons of guns and she said, she I don't remember her version of this story. Oh, I think we talked about it in our podcast, but we she was like it was her birthday or my birthday and she was like if i bought you a tattoo and i bought one for myself would you get it with me and at that time abby and i were very immersed in gossip girl and we identified very closely with both characters i was um um, i was uh serena and she was blair leighton meester so we called whenever we texted we called each other s and b so i got a cursive i don't show anyone this tattoo i got a cursive s on like my right lower abdomen like by the bikini line and whenever people ask about it it's like it's one of those tattoos that has a long weird story Well, people eventually are just like oh that makes no sense. But it's easy for her because her name's Abby and she has a B and it sounds like people could call her that. But for me, it's like an S and it doesn't make sense to most people. So
1: you could get it like redone to be a J someday.
0: I I, I could, but it's so it's so like ceiling of my friendship with Abby that I don't even if I'm like low key embarrassed about it, I don't think I'd change it for the real for the world. The rest of my tattoos are all Lord of the Rings related, so I'm not that mad at it. Oh, and I just recently got um, Mothra on my arm. so Mothra? Really? Yeah.
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. The only reason why I haven't shown anyone is because it was botched and I want to get it redone because no shade or anything, but the person that did it is more of like a artist rather than a professional tattooist and it didn't come out exactly how i wanted so my goal is by the end of the year i'll have it redone hopefully in like november december but yeah i got mothra with like the red sun and Teddy's gonna get a sick godzilla tattoo on his right arm too and that's how gay we are oh, i'm clean that's really cool i like
1: that <laughs> you I
0: like it
1: i love it yeah because my brother and i at one point thought about doing matching tattoos on right arm yeah. but he backed out of the idea so like
0: <sighs> Come on, yeah. Matt. Just do it. It's worth it. I, I feel like Nadia would be down.
1: She she says she's down. She actually has talked about it before. Mm. She'd be down. C- can I ask you, like, a hypothetical tattoo related? I'm sorry. Do it. Away, but, like, do it. Okay, so my friend backed out of it, but we, like, were going to pay him, like, $300 plus the, the cost of the tattoo to get a Bob's Burgers tattoo, like, Bob Belcher's face, like, tattooed. Mm-hmm. And then he backed out of it. So, like do you like okay listeners you gotta chime in on this like if y'all would do it if someone paid for the cost of the tattoo and then paid you 300 bucks would you get bob belcher's face tattooed somewhere on your body
0: does he like bob's burgers
1: no he's never watched
0: the show i don't i'm not speaking for my listeners but i'm gonna it's gonna be a no for me coach (laughs) (laughs) he
1: was just like so random like we were just talking about like dude would you do it he's like yeah do it i'm like no cap like you do it he's like yeah so then we, we got the money ready and he's like no dude I was totally kidding I'm like dude you said no cap
0: wow he broke that unspoken rule if you say no cap that means like you're all in all in it to exactly winning it. what I said man uh, you might as well have just said no I know man you know what I would That's have done if I was him I would what have I would have taken the money and then I've told the tattooist like hey they want me to do this but this is what I really want <laughs> <laughs> I know I was savage okay this is my last one and then I know this is like kind of last minute but as you answer I'll answer the last one and then I want you to think of your head like your number one favorite song right now and then I'm gonna play it and we're gonna listen for a little bit okay okay all right uh the idea that we should keep going and going until we burn out
1: Yeah, dude, you're hitting me with some tough stuff right now um, <laughs> i I think that's not the idea for most people like i don't I would highly like ten out of ten not recommend, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's inevitably where I'm headed,
0: yeah, me too, and I feel like half of me is there, especially nursing right now, and like in light of when I started traveling and where we were with the pandemic, like I I feel fulfillment in my job. And I think I'm really, really looking forward to the time that I can just teach full time. But being at the bedside right now, dude, it's it's killing me softly for sure. And I'm I feel very burnt out. Yeah, but, yeah I don't like it. I don't like it at all.
1: It's time for a change, man. Gotta I, change it up a little bit. I know,
0: I gotta freaking school these noobs. You know, I got to teach them my ways and how I survived this far in the nursing field. So that's the ultimate goal. We'll see, you though.
1: Gotta, you got to write a book. It's going to be like Nets Declassified School Survival Guide, oh. but like for nursing school. Oh, my
0: God. I would love that. And it would be like kind of whimsical and have weird characters. All my friends are the characters.
1: I like it. I like it. Make me coconut head.
0: <laughs> no, your hair's too curly for that. Are you kidding me?
1: Dang it,
0: man. I can straighten it, though. Keep it nice and silky. It's
2: going to look terrible. 10 out of 10.
0: (laughs) All right, Frankie. You have to give me one song that you're vibing with right now. Spotify, you know the drill. No copyright intended. You partner with them. I can't just post it in here. But give me one song. Tell me all the vibes, why you like it. And then we'll listen for a good few seconds. and I'll give you my favorite song. This is my favorite thing to do. All right.
1: um, new or like, it has to be new or just like in general? It
0: doesn't have to be new. I know music is fluid and we go through phases. Um, it could either be like an all-time favorite or what you're currently vibing with.
1: Um, I'm kind of been like in a Stevie Wonder
0: mood. Ooh. Is that weird? Not at all. What song? <laughs>
1: um okay so i went on a long bike ride and i listened to sir duke the whole time
0: (laughs) sir duke do i do i know this one let's see let's see you definitely know it i definitely do i can feel the pace Oh my God! You were in a happy mood on this bike ride, weren't you?
1: I was. The sun was shining, and it was
0: amazing (laughs) weather. You're putting me in a good mood. I can, I can, I can f with that. You know what? You know what? I've been messing with lately. I think we mentioned it in um. I think I mentioned it in my last podcast, but I... Do you know Kyle Dion? I do not. Uh, he's R&B, kind of, and, like, heavy on the falsetto. He kind of reminds me of... Um, God, there's Kyle Dion and someone else that I've kind of been addicted to. Let me see who it is. Uh, I can't come to my mind, but... Um, in that, whenever I put on Kyle Dion radio, this is... One of the uh songs that comes on, and oh, and Lucky Day, do you know Lucky Day? I do, okay. I do, I do know, Lucky Day. I do love Lucky Day, and he's they're all in the same radio. But I think that this song has been like my theme for like mm, I think I even mentioned it in an episode before, but this one, and you're the one that actually introduced me to Sir, you know, this one, Fire,
1: of course, man. I love this song.
0: Oh my god.
1: Oh man, man. You're, 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 you're killing me, man. I love these man. <laughs> love love these R&Bs. Yes.
0: The when the beat comes in, I just I bop, I bop way too hard for like good measure. I will break my neck. <laughs> And mm. take it there. Mm. <laughs> it's just God. when you first showed him to me, I was like, "It's." I wouldn't say it's hit or miss with us, but usually your hits. But then, like his first album, I was like, "I like listened to that straight through." But then this one came out, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I don't know which one I like better, that one and freaking Mood and John Redcorn. Man. Oh,
1: dude. I like, L.A. Uh, L.A. Lisa, uh, um, the recipe. Oh, my God. They, all those tracks are just so smooth. L.A. Man.
0: Lisa. Yeah, that one's just – Oh, I love that one so much. Well, I'm going to let this one, like, uh, be our outro, but this is usually, like, my go-to. I know you said that you don't want to self-promote too much, but, like – here I'm laying it out before you the time where you can tell me all your apps and any last words that you want to tell any of the listeners or me or anyone in general. Just word to Nadia, word to Matt, word to your mom and dad. Hi mom and dad. Um, I can't well, believe I, can, I haven't I met your parents in person yet. You have not but
1: someday, someday. you have to. I mean they know who you are because I was telling them like yeah, I'm going to go record this this podcast with uh, Janine. Like, oh, I, hope, I hope she's doing well. I was like
0: they know who you are. Hey, Happy. Happy. All yeah. right. Spit it to me right now.
1: So um, shout out to the parents. Thanks for everything. Please, if you guys listen, please don't uh, get too upset with this. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe, guys. Five out of five. This is the best podcast in the world. So like, <laughs> like and subscribe. Are you boosting
0: like- me? This is your yeah. time to shine. No, this
1: is Janine between the lines. Like and subscribe. Five out of five. Only fives.
0: Oh, you're the best, my dude. I love you so much. Much love, fam. Much love. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I'll talk to you soon.